How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Hey, it's another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me this week is Ryan McDowell. Ryan, how you doing, bud? Doing well. Another uh, another fun day of football. Uh, this, I don't know. The, the games, I felt like I was complaining a lot the last couple of weeks with some ugly games, yeah. some injuries. Uh, this week was not like that. Tons of exciting games, some big performances. It was a great day of football. It really was. If you uh, if you don't play with kickers, and <laughs> if you were uh, able to kind of sidestep the injury bug, because we had a lot of stars go down at least for parts of games. We also have to bring in our buddy Matt Price. Welcome back, dude. Hey, uh, I, you know, I showed up today. I was expecting to have to like fight Ken Kelly or, or something, but well, I guess, we fought I guess him he off. just, we I guess he decided to just not show up today. I guess he couldn't handle the, the actual debate of, of a player like Kyle Pitts. So oh. we'll have to get into that. I do Fighting have some words. notes too. I, I do have some notes right off the top too. Yeah. We might Dan, as well get that out of the way. Yeah. Dan, you said that you were talking about paltry quarterback ratings or something between two quarterbacks. You said poultry. So, you know, boom, I, it, roasted there. You saw your chicken quarterbacks there. Chicken quarterback yeah. ratings? You've never heard yeah. about that? Yeah, I got those. I got uh, Ken Kelly at 33 minutes. I thought that Chris Harrison is still the 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 host of The Bachelor. Come on, Ken. I thought you were you prided yourself on pop culture. So, I, I think Ryan uh, got him about that after did, the show. I was, so. I was glad he said something about that because, come on, Ken. All right. Uh, we'll guess, get to the I Kyle Pitts part. Perfect game. <laughs> <laughs> You are the star of the show, Ryan. Oh, yeah. You know. uh, um, we are once again going to react to everything that happened in the big games this weekend. We always uh, sidestep Sunday night and Monday night football so we can get things out right away on Monday morning for all you guys. And we always start on Thursday night. So um, it was an entertaining contest until one of those big injuries happened, Ryan. The Russell Wilson injury was was just brutal. The the Rams outlast the Seahawks 26 to 17. There are some stats to to highlight, of course, Robert Woods, of course, but everybody's talking about Russell Wilson. We've talked it to death for three or four days already. What are we doing as dynasty managers with Russ now, though? Because it, it's man, it it just kills us. Well, we always list Russell Wilson as one of those players that is underappreciated, undervalued, and and now we're really going to learn that lesson the hard way. My first thought whenever things like this happen, injuries like this happen, is to look at some splits. What what do the wide receivers do when the quarterback's out? 
We can't even do that because Russell Wilson has basically never missed a game in his in his entire career. Uh, hardly has missed even any snaps or series. So for him to even leave the game was a big deal. You knew it had to be serious. And and then, of course, undergoes the surgery uh, a, a day or two later. So he's going to miss, it sounds like, uh, at least a month, maybe more. Um, that's probably best case. And, and because of that, we just don't know how badly it's going to hurt Tyler Lockett or, or, or DK Metcalf, but it's obviously not going to be good. I mean, uh, Geno Smith looked solid in, in, um, in his backup role, but uh, he, he's, of course, no Russell Wilson. So this is going to be a downgrade for the entire offense for at least the next month. It certainly looks that way. And while you mentioned that Geno Smith looked at least passing grade, you know, he, he was fine, maybe a little better than fine, maybe even good. Uh, did make a big mistake at the end with the interception. There was a fallen down receiver. Matt, I got to know what you think because we're all relying on DK Metcalf. We're relying on Tyler Lockett, and they were they were good in this game. DK caught the two touchdowns, five for ninety eight. Tyler Lockett, five catches as well, just fifty seven yards, but ten targets. Looked fine with Geno as well. We we also rely on whoever the running back is. Alex Collins in this one, fifteen for forty seven, and caught two passes for twenty five. Now we're going to see eight-man fronts. They're going to bring guys up. They're going to be able to double-team these receivers because they, they're, they're, they're going to make Geno make these throws. So what do we expect out of DK? What do we expect out of Tyler Lockett going forward? I mean, for for one half or one quarter, whatever it was, they looked they looked okay. But we know how these defenses adjust. You know, they weren't playing game planning for Geno Smith. Uh, so they the, the team that they played next week, the Giants, they probably will. Uh, but it's also the Giants. So we'll see how that goes. I, I'm not. I'm still starting both of these receivers. I don't know how you can put them on your bench despite the Geno factor. So so for now, I think we're we're still playing them for dynasty. I don't really think it changes their values too much. Yeah, maybe it doesn't. The The Rams on the other side, uh, interesting game for sure. They, they battled a little bit of injuries as well, but not nearly as severe. Daryl Henderson missed a couple series. Sony Michelle was fine on them a series. series. In fact, he was the, the entire team. He ends 11 for 37. Most of it comes on that on that series, and he scores the touchdown there. Henderson was good, though, too, Matt. Yeah, uh, Henderson's been very good when he's been on the field so far. He's got two running back 16 finishes, a running back 11 finish. Uh, it's still to be determined where he's going to finish this week, but it looks like it's going to be a fringe running back one again. Uh, so, I mean, if he's healthy, he's clearly the guy. If he's not, Sony's clearly the guy. Right? This is a pretty easy backfield to figure out. Uh, I I'm kind of interested in buying Henderson right now before, you know, before we were, were really sure he was going to get kind of the, the, the lead back role and it wasn't going to be a true committee. I was a little bit hesitant to pay uh, that early second, maybe a late first uh, round range, but he's got a bunch of great matchups coming up. He's they've got, like I said, the giants next week, the Lions after that, then the Texans, then the Titans, all teams that are going to be very success, susceptible to uh, the Rams ground attack. So kind of like buying Henderson right now, uh, or at least poking around and seeing if he's available for that early second kind of late first range maybe two seconds if you get him for that yeah it's probably going to cost you a first at this point he looks like what you said you know he's, he's going to be a back end running back one for the week and I think he has that kind of upside for the rest of the yep. season so most likely if you want him you're going to have to pay a first but he's a guy that's attainable for sure the wide receivers in this game things went 
according to plan, at least according to fantasy owners' plans, this week as compared to other weeks, Woods goes 12 for 150. So that's a little bit of an overcorrection based on the first handful of weeks of the season. Cup gets his 7 for 92. And then the rest of them, Deshaun Jackson, just the one catch. It was a deep one. Van Jefferson, just one for 16. Higby got in the end zone. So if you played him, at least he scored you a few points. We didn't have those other other ancillary pieces making an impact and taking away from our big names too bad. So many people sat Robert Woods because they were just so used to one for 16. Uh, let's jump to the Sunday games, guys. We'll, we'll start with that, that game that was played across the pond. The Falcons win this one 27 to 20 Ryan Cordero Patterson. Once again, very involved seven catches for 60 yards also gets the 14 carries for 54. Does it find Pater? But man, he was he was impressive once again. Yeah, he really was. And uh, the first month of the season, he has been impressive, obviously, and, and surprising. And the argument against him, or, or maybe the knock uh, against investing in him for the rest of the season, was his usage. Uh, he was still he was still producing in uh, with limited snaps and a smaller role. And that's really what changed on Sunday. That. Uh, that has given me some confidence in him moving forward. Uh, Patterson played a season high 59% of the snaps. Uh, his previous high was 42%. Uh, I think that was uh, in week three. So a pretty significant jump there. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's pretty simple. When a player is producing, he's earning more work. That's what's happening. And it's coming at, at the expense of Mike Davis. It did come at the expense of Davis, who had 13 carries and 53 yards, found the end zone, so if you used him, it's fine. He wasn't a big part of the passing game with Patterson playing that role. Also, Patterson lined up on the outside a little bit more than maybe I expected. He was a little bit of the replacement for Kelvin Ridley in this game, caught multiple slants, uh, so traditional wide receiver routes from time to time from Patterson, Olamides Zacchaeus, who a lot of us depended on just two catches for 20 yards and a couple of drops. Now we're going to send it to Matt Price, but, but you know, we can all guess how this is going to go. It's going to, it's going to be Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, wah, 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 Kyle Pitts. What's up, Matt? <laughs> well, I, th- I think he finally saved my job this week. Uh, he <laughs> <finished> with- <laughs> nice. I like it. He, uh, he, he, ha- he now has the most receiving yards in a single game by a tight end. And we, and in and, and this current season through five games, obviously a small sample size, but that's pretty exciting to see out of a rookie. He also uh, has the second highest, uh, excuse me, the second most uh, points scored by any fantasy tight end this season. Gronk's in a 29 in week one is the only one that's eclipsed pits 26.9 this week. Uh, and you can say Ridley was out. Gage was out. And we're talking about the Jets, but the Jets are actually pretty good at defending the tight end. They've allowed the fifth fewest schedule adjustment points to the position. So I'm pretty impressed with what we've seen from Pitts. Maybe once Ridley comes back, he doesn't see, see 10 targets uh, with regularity, but uh, you have to be excited what you've seen with this guy so far when you consider his usage through the four, first four weeks and then finally breaking out this week for us. So the number two tight end finish of the week, how's that go for for wide receivers, though, because he doesn't play tight end, Matt. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't. I have to look. <laughs> Boy, I saw. That, I watched the whole game. There, I seen him lined up at tight end uh, less than five times. Really, yeah, he, he's he, outside. He lined up and motioned out. I, I'm a little bit concerned about the long term tight end eligibility with with Kyle Pitts. I I don't know. That's a conversation for the off season, though. I Ryan, mean, anything to add with Pitts? Well, um, does does it really matter? No, I mean, it doesn't. But if he gets it, moved it's to a cheat code receiver. at tight end, though. Sure, for sure. Um, we, I mean, we we have seen from experience here just over the past few weeks that 
uh, fantasy league hosts are, are not in a hurry to change player uh, position eligibility. So, you know, I think a lot would have to happen for any site to move him to a wide receiver. Yeah, not in season, but in the off season, I'd be worried about it for sure. Uh, how about the Eagles and the Panthers? Panthers had to lead the whole game, still ended up losing. That was kind of a, a commonality throughout the, the week in week five. Eagles win 21 to 18. Jalen Hurts uh, got it done when it was necessary, I guess. His stat line could have been so much better. He throws for 198, doesn't have a touchdown pass, but should have to Goddard. Had another one taken away to Devonta Smith. Runs nine carries 30 yards and two touchdowns to save his fantasy day. He could have been a top three or four scorer at the position though. Hertz was really good. Speaking of Smith, seven for 77, got the touchdown taken away. That hurts. The guy I want to talk about with you, Matt, is Miles Sanders. He's on the field a little bit. You look at the stat line, five catches. All right, I can get on board. Just six yards on those five catches. He had them in the first half too was totally moved away from in the second half, just 11 carries for 45 yards. He's still the most talented running back on that team. Gainwell only got two carries for 16 and and one catch for eight. The Eagles just don't want to use these running backs. It's, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, Sanders got 16 opportunities today considering targets and carries. So if you can't put up more than 51 yards on 16 opportunities, I just, I mean, I don't know. You know, we were the biggest fans of Sanders coming out, even over yep. Josh Jacobs in that draft class. I last off season, I had him as high as like running back four at one point, I think, before we we drafted the rookies in. Uh, so it's just you can't trust, like you said in the notes, you can't trust any Philadelphia Eagle except for Jalen Hurts because he's going to get nine or ten carries every game. He's going to get half, basically half of the running back carries every single game. Uh, and when he is throwing the ball to them. Sanders isn't doing anything or they're going to, to gain well, who has been productive on those targets in past weeks. So uh, yeah, I don't know what you do with Sanders. I think you have to hold him. I, I mean, you're not, you can't get a first from him. Certainly. Are you, is it, is it worth selling him for a second based on what we know he can do if he is the focal point of an offense? So I think he's, he's just a hold at this point uh, and somebody you're going to have to look at on your bench probably all season long. Yeah. I, I would add, Probably Devonta Smith to the useful Eagles. He, like I mentioned, seven for 77 on eight targets. His target share is so high right now. He's also seeing targets all over the field, getting the deep targets as well. So chance for those blow up games with Devonta Smith. And I think there's enough of a floor there with those bubble screens and those shorter routes that, that create a, a nice wide receiver three slash flex floor for the rookie. Ryan, how about you with the, you know, the, the Sam Darnold rushing touchdown experience? That experience ended this week. Finally, just two carries for 10 yards. He got beat up a lot in this game. Every time I looked at it, it felt like Eagles pass rushers were harassing Sam Darnold. Chuba Hubbard, though, had a nice game. 24 carries, over 100 yards, and then five catches as well. Yeah, there was a little bit of concern last week uh, from from me and and many others that me too, bud. Maybe Chuba Hubbard was not that he was not that Mike Davis like player. This week it, it changed. We saw him get the work in the in the passing game. Uh, ultimately, I'm not sure it matters much. It seems like uh, McCaffrey was close to returning this week, so I'm assuming he'll be back next week. And man, just hoping he can stay healthy. We saw, as you said earlier, Dan, some some more brutal injuries, especially at that running back position. Uh, so hopefully, once McCaffrey gets back on the field, he's there to stay. Uh, I do think Chuba would uh, Chuba Hubbard would be a good handcuff going forward, though. 
Yeah, it seems that way. I mentioned last week that they they clearly didn't see Chuba as a Mike Davis type player that could play both roles. They were mixing in oh, what's the what's the fullback looking running back that that was catching the ball out of the backfield? Rod Smith maybe or something last week and he catches like four or five balls and we thought maybe Chuba wasn't that guy. This week he certainly was. They also used DJ Moore once again out of the backfield a little bit and got creative with them. They just didn't hit on those plays. Maybe the Eagles were ready for it. There were opportunities or at least snaps with him in the backfield. Just five catches for 42 yards and seven targets for Moore. He did get a carry, but lost yards on that as well. Let's move on to the Packers and the Bengals. If you play with fantasy kickers, this game is the reason that you shouldn't, especially if you get negative points for misses as there was what, five missed field goals in like a five-minute span of the game here towards the end. Aaron Rodgers did his thing, though, 344 and two. Aaron Jones went over 100 and caught four passes. A.J. Dillon, guys, this this was a fun one. Eight carries for 30 yards. Got involved in the passing game once again, though. Four catches for 49 yards and a touchdown on four targets. So once again, he's going to put up respectable running back two-type numbers for the second straight week. Wonder how long that's going to last. Adams was a stud, as always, 11 catches, 206, and a touchdown on 16 uh, targets. So, you know, as far as the Packers go, that, you know, what we expected to happen kind of happened with the exception of Mason Crosby. The story here, Ryan, is probably on the Cincinnati side. Burrow looks good once again, 281 and two through the two picks, but he appears to be getting rounding back into form. Mixon was hurt, so we're not going to throw his 10 carries for 33 and a touchdown in his face. Uh, Jamar Chase, though, once again, gets deep, six for 159 and a score on 10 targets, Ryan. That's the kind of usage we want to see out of the rookie. Yeah, I mean, this this guy's the superstar. You know, he was in college, he was the better receiver to Justin Jefferson pretty clearly. Nobody even debated that. Uh, and then we know what Jefferson has done early in his career. So looking at it that way, this should not be a surprise. After five games now, Jamar Chase now has just over 98 fantasy points. Mm. Uh, the only rookie wide receiver to do uh, to score more than that was, of course, Randy Moss. So uh, elite company there that Jamar Chase is in. And you know, we've got we've got new ADP coming out. I love our in-season ADP that really shows how player value is changing. And Jamar Chase, you know, no surprise, is one of those players whose value uh, is increasing since the season started. He's now a first-rounder, uh, first-rounder in Dynasty ADP, according to our October data. He's the 11th player overall. He's the wide receiver five. And honestly, that feels a little low at this point, which is crazy to say he's he's behind Justin Jefferson, his former teammate, C.D. Lamb, D.K. Metcalf and Devontae Adams. I've moved him up to wide receiver three, but it's the same tier. I've got a top tier of four now and it's Jefferson, Metcalf, Chase and Lamb. So uh, I think I don't think that's you're, you're 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 wrong there, Ryan. Five is a little maybe a little bit low. It's just how you want to value Chase and and really all the those other uh, first and second year wide receivers and third year wide receivers throw in uh, DK and AJ Brown. How you want to value those guys versus the established studs, Adams, yeah. Tyreek, I guess. Yeah. Oh, Diggs. So how do you value the young guys versus those, those three? And when Chase is putting up similar points and he's 21 years old, it, it's hard to uh, keep him out of that top three range. Nobody has a problem with somebody ranking Chase as the number one wide receiver at this point, right? 
I don't see how you could. I, mean, I don't think you can maybe, have a problem. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you may disagree, it, but you but, can't have that yeah, much of a problem. Yeah. Uh, the other receivers in this one, he he takes away from these guys, and he's going to from time to time. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, four for 24 on five targets. He didn't help himself with a couple drops. T. Higgins did the same thing, dropped a couple, uh, especially at the end of the game, five for 32 on seven targets. So, man, they, they, have, they have so much talent there. Chase is just going to be the shining star of it every single week. He's going to get his. Um, Ryan, you did have a note about Robert Tunyon in this one as well. Another, another disappointing game, right? I was, there was a, there was some news of kind of the squeaky wheel thing in green Bay this week that Tunyon wasn't a big enough part of the offense. It came from Aaron Rodgers. He said, we need to get him involved and they just didn't do it. Just one catch for eight yards on two targets. We can't play him going forward. No, not at all. Uh, Tunyon was the tight end five back in week two. Other than that game, he has been uh, the tight end 37 or worse in the other four mm. games. Uh, so we're talking not even a tight end three, uh, if you're looking at it that way. Obviously, in the in the tight end landscape where really nobody outside of the top eight or ten really matter, uh, that's, that's, of course, terrible. And you know, you have to start thinking and asking yourself if last year was was just a fluke um, because this team still needs pass catchers. It still needs somebody to step up as as the consistent wide receiver, too. Uh, you would think that Tanya would, would still have that same opportunity as he did as he did last year, but it's just not happening. And you kind of mentioned the Jones, the, the A.J. Dillon usage mm-hmm. uh, that worries me a little for Aaron Jones moving forward, too. Yeah, Jones had the big 50-plus yard run, and without that, his stat line is a little bit pedestrian, especially for a guy that's always ranked in the top 10 week in and week out for, for matchup purposes. So you, you might have a point there. They may dig into each other a little bit. The Packers clearly just want to have those guys available at the end of the season, and that's why Dylan is getting such a, such a bigger bigger share of the workload there out of that backfield. Uh, the Patriots, they come back and beat the Texans 25-22. to Houston had the lead the whole game and gave it away at the end. Mac Jones threw a touchdown. Damian Harris ran for one but fumbled at the goal line and, and didn't see the field much, if any, after that. Ramondre Stevenson came to fill in, just 11 carries for 23 yards. So we'll see how that goes next year, next week. The star of the passing game has to be Hunter Henry. Six care, six catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. So that looks good. Maybe he can be our fill-in in the top 12 for Robert Tunyon. He had eight targets. But it was Jonu Smith that he he's just not a big part of that offense, Ryan. I noticed he had five targets. I saw a couple of those targets. I think he had five. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I saw a couple targets go his way that were just awful, almost throwaways. And I think they got marked down as targets. He's just not a big part of this offense right now. It's clearly all about, um, all about Hunter Henry. Yeah. John who actually had two targets. He, he, okay. did, he did catch both of them. So that's, uh, that's a little bit of good news. He only ran eight routes, eight routes for the entire game. Hunter Henry ran 25. Uh, so we, we've been, seeing the separation between those two grow over the past couple of weeks. And, and it's, it's really hopefully reached its peak here, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you cannot use Johnny Smith. I don't think he's a roster clogger. I wouldn't drop him yet. Same for Tunyon, by the way, I wouldn't drop him, uh, but you can't use those guys in your lineup at all. Yeah. It's, a, it's really a shame from the Houston perspective. 
Man, the best rookie this week, uh, rookie quarterback at least, was Davis Mills. 312 yards and three touchdowns. Didn't throw a pick. Uh, looked really good, spread out the ball, but didn't get it to Brandon Cooks. Just three for 23 on three targets. Chris Moore, he caught the ball, five for 109 and a score. Chris Conley, you guys are saying, who? Why are these guys catching the ball and not Brandon Cooks? Conley has three for 84 and a score. So Mills looks good, Ryan. I, we all we all seen that there was a little bit of upside. I didn't expect this against New England's defense. He he really looked good after after looking absolutely lost last week. No, nobody expected it. I actually mentioned in a tweet um, over the weekend prior to the games just how strong New England had been against quarterbacks. Uh, I, I don't believe they had allowed a single uh, quarterback finish in the top twenty, uh, including shutting down uh, Tom Brady from a fantasy perspective. Uh, and then it's Davis Mills who who stings him for uh, a top 10 finish as as a fantasy quarterback. Nobody expected that. Uh, it does seem like Mills, not just in this game, but over the past couple of weeks, getting a little more comfortable spreading it out. You mentioned some of those uh, some of those weapons he found on on Sunday. Uh, he, he didn't really find Brandon Cooks very much. So I'm, that may just be a, a case of, uh, you know, we always hear that Bill Belichick is going to shut down the the other team's best player. Maybe that's all it is, but we've also seen Cook's uh, targets go down now three weeks in a row, just uh, just five targets this week, a season low by far. I mentioned Chris Moore and Chris Conley. They're probably on your waiver wire. We're, we're throwing low-end bids on those guys, replacing – if you added Olamide Zacchaeus – uh, because of this week and you're fine moving on from him, maybe you add Chris Moore or Chris Conley for a 1% one, one to 2% bid and see if there's anything there. The Titans, they beat the Jaguars 37-19. to 19. Matt, Derrick Henry, he didn't catch any passes. How disappointing was that? I had him, uh, he hadn't caught less than three in a game and I had an over-under of 1.5 and I missed, <laughs> missed my overbid there. But Henry, 29 carries and 130 yards, Three touchdowns on the ground, Matt. He's a monster. Yeah, and you know we've been saying for two seasons now, maybe two and a half to three seasons. You know, it, it's it's time to sell this guy. He's getting old. He's a running back. He's getting old, but it just doesn't matter. He keeps chugging along. He keeps getting twenty plus carries every single week. So at this point, I really do wonder what he is worth to a contender. If there's some for some reason you have a team in your league that is not competing or doesn't want to compete or whatever the case may be, and you have Henry on that roster, like what are you willing to pay as a contender to go and get Henry? Because you know, you're going to get the volume no matter what. And it clearly, it doesn't matter even in weeks where he doesn't get uh, uh, that passing targets, like you mentioned. So I went to the trade finder, of course, looked it up 2022 first and a second and a 2023 first. So two first and a second. Like if I go, I'm a contender and a running back's going to put me over the top. That feels kind of reasonable at this point. Uh, Henry and Evans for Justin Jefferson. Like, I mean, I love Jefferson, but wide receiver production, it's coming around. Like if I'm a contender and I'm strong at receiver, am I thinking about that? Uh, and then AJ Brown straight up. Like I, like that seems like there's no way in shit. Heck, why would you ever cha- uh, trade a, a young receiver who has been a stud for the last several seasons, uh, a little, little bit slow this year uh, for Derrick Henry, a 27, 28 year old running back. But at this point, it feels like if you, again, are that locked-in contender, like maybe he's somebody you should just go and pay up for and lock in that rushing volume every week. I know we're all used to it right now, but Derrick Henry at the end of that game, they had abandoned the passing game. Tannehill wasn't that effective in the first place, and 
And everybody with that lead knew that they were going to turn around and ha- der- hand it to Derrick Henry, and he was still running guys over. That, yeah. That's so impressive. And the fact that he's he's done it now for multiple years, he is the exception to the rule. So I'm fine giving up the multiple firsts if you really need the running back, and he's going to make you a true championship contender, and- not one of these guys that, that goes from fringe playoffs to for sure in the playoffs, and hopefully we can do some damage. He's It's got to be – uh, a, a move up the chart all the way to one or two in your league to make that kind of move because of the age, you know, he's 27 going to be 28 before the end of the season. I believe, I think he's like a December birthday. So um, it's, it's gotta be the right move. Ryan, you're not typically the guy that's going to make these kind of moves, but can you get behind it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of talked through this on, uh, on the locked on dynasty podcast last week with, with Matt Williamson, we talked about running back value and and talked about some new ADP. We've still got Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara as uh, players that are being drafted in the, the first half of the first round. And then Derrick Henry uh, early in the second round. My point is Cook, Henry, Kamara, I would throw in Zeke, maybe even throw in Aaron Jones, depending on what this new role is going to be like. But really, I think those those four players should be valued the same. And to see Cook and Kamara valued so so much highly than than Zeke and and Derrick Henry is is kind of wild to me. So that's my ideal trade. If I have Cook or Kamara, can I pivot to one of those other two? Especially if somehow I can pick up something extra. Uh, but I, I would gladly move Cook or Kamara for Henry straight up right now. Yeah, I would make that move in a heartbeat. And I think there's a lot of teams out there that would rather have the younger guy that the perceived higher value. So I think that's a doable trade. I I wonder if we'll see those moving forward. Another guy you're interested in grabbing off the trade market, Ryan, in that Tennessee uh, offense is A.J. Brown. Yeah, I'm just I I just think it might be the time when Brown managers might start to get frustrated. Of course, slow start, then the injury misses a week. Um, and then, you know, now comes back in this game, but held, held in check, pretty quiet. The Tennessee offense as a whole, other than Henry has been uh, a disappointment. So I think it's maybe time you can start sending some offers. Uh, not, not that he's going to be cheap, still multiple first rounders or someone else in that uh, top, 15 to 18 overall player range. But uh, again, looking at our ADP, Brown has fallen out of the first round for the first time in, uh, in a long time and probably uh, several months, maybe even a year. He's, he's down in that mid second round range. For the Jaguars, I noticed Trevor Lawrence looked a lot more comfortable this week than he has in the past. He was running a little bit more as well. Seven carries for 28 yards and a score and nearly scored a second rushing touchdown to help provide that floor. He was right around 20 fantasy points in your league this week. And that that's inching towards the back end quarterback one that we thought maybe he could flirt with this season as a rookie. He's showing some of the upside, 273 yards through the air and a touchdown pass also threw a pick, but looked significantly better in this game against a, a, an average or below average defense in Tennessee. So that's good to see if you invested highly in Trevor Lawrence. James Robinson, on the other hand, 18 carries, 149 yards and a touchdown, just one catch in the game. But Carlos Hyde got like three or four straight touches in the red zone down inside the 10 at one point in this game with the game on the line. That was maddening. I don't know what Urban Meyer was thinking there, but James Robinson isn't getting enough opportunities to be like that 
that guy that can win you a week. And that that's frustrating for sure. Another thing that's frustrating in that offense, Matt, is LaVisca Chenault. Didn't get many looks, just three targets in the game. Caught the one for 58, but he's supposed to be the weapon that's left over after DJ Chart goes down, and that just didn't happen on Sunday. Yeah, it's his fewest amount of targets on the on the season. He had four in week three. Otherwise, he's had seven or ten in every game. Uh, and, you know, we keep making excuses, or at least I keep making excuses, I guess, that, you know, no more Travis Etienne. Visca's going to get get part of that role that was slated for him in the passing game. Oh, DJ Chark is out. It's time for Visca, right? And it's just not happening. Uh, the one target he caught for 58 yards and put him in second in the on the team for uh, for for yardage. So you would think maybe get him a little bit more involved, but it's, it's not working out for us uh, right now. I, I, I'm not necessarily saying we need to panic on Visca, but I don't think he's necessarily a buy right now based on usage in this offense. Uh, I'm not certainly not selling, uh, but I don't know if I'm, I'm recommending a buy at this time. Well, we talked about uh, Chenault and, and this entire offense last week, quite a bit after yeah. the, the DJ Chark injury. And, uh, what I saw from that game and, and what I expected really moving forward, especially in the short term, was that Chenault would be the one soaking up targets. It would yep. come at, at the expense of Marvin Jones. And Jones didn't have a great game here either. Uh, it was it was almost a different game plan for the Jags continuing to focus on uh, James Robinson having a larger role. Uh, so that feels good. If, if you've got Robinson on your roster or if you just were frustrated that that he – you know, didn't didn't play that big role we expected in week one, but the the wide receivers are are just frustrating overall. It, it feels like a stay away situation right now. It is Please. when you're setting a lineup, but but the thing is, we we look at Visca as a long term asset. So can we see this turning around, or is this something that we want to try to get out of? Is the question, Matt? Well, I think he's going to ask outlast outlast the coaching staff. So I still have I still have hope. I'll say that I guess hope. Yeah, we're we're gonna. <laughs> Once again, uh, put hope potential. on the side of the Jaguars. Yeah, that 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 uh, that's rough for sure. Uh, speaking of rough, that Vikings Lions game was hard to watch. The Vikings Ugh. somehow came back and won after the Lions got the two point conversion to take the lead late. Vikings win nineteen to seventeen. Cousins was fine, two seventy five and a touch. Alexander Madison was excellent, one hundred and thirteen on the ground, seven for forty and a touchdown through the air. So he's a running back one when he's in there, at least it feels that way. Also, Justin Jefferson was a big part of the game plan. We needed that seven for 124 on eight targets, but didn't find pay dirt. It came at the expense of Adam Thielen though. His two catches came in that last drive. That's what put him in field goal range. He might've got shut out otherwise, if the lions were able to run the clock down. Um, I think the story here is probably with the Lions, guys, because TJ Hawkinson, once again, I know he's banged up a little bit, but disappointing, just three targets, two for 22. Uh, DeAndre Swift didn't touch the ball nearly enough. Once again, 11 carries for 51 yards, got in the end zone, caught six balls for 53. But it seems like he should have had the workload that Alexander Madison had, where he had 25 carries and seven uh, catches in the passing game. It was maddening. If there's a little bit of a silver lining for the Lions, it's probably Amon Ross St. Brown, seven catches on eight targets for 65 yards. He was the, I guess, I guess the primary slot guy, got on the field quite a bit and ran a lot of short to intermediate routes. Was a little bit too much of like Hunter Renfro for me. He, a lot of it was underneath. And, I, and we, he came out of college 
expected to be that seam stretcher a little bit, that guy that can get down the middle of the field, and he wasn't used that way, even though he's a big part of the offense. So a little bit disappointed with that, I guess, considering he was that involved in the offense. Uh, let's jump over to the Broncos and the Steelers. Steelers win this one 27 to 19. Ryan, your guy Juju, and he goes down. Yeah, bad, bad juju for bad juju. <laughs> nice. uh, no, I mean, Dan, you you and I uh run a few teams together. We've got mm. Juju Smith Schuster on a couple of those at least. And uh, really, hey, it's my fault. I'm the juju guy, so that's the reason we got him, right? <laughs> no, no I, I take the blame, but uh, I mean, even since week one, we've had these conversations. Who are we starting this week? And he's never even a consideration um, at at this point. So um, still a lot of things I think to, to uh, like about Juju Smith Schuster from a dynasty perspective, Uh, you know, he he has been productive obviously early in his career, still has age on his side. Uh, We, we think he's going to be in a new situation uh, next year. That's hopefully better. So I still view him as a buy, especially as his value continues to go down, but even if this is a season ending injury, it, it won't hurt much because we haven't been using him uh, anyway. Uh, it, it would be helpful, I think, for Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, who would just uh, be even more consistent, which they've both been they've both been more consistent, more productive than than Juju anyway. Uh, but, you know, we, we saw big games from both of those guys. So if he does miss time, good news for those guys, I, I think after a lot of concern, a lot of discussion about that offense, it's starting to kind of turn the corner. Uh, we're, we're seeing those three, uh, including Najee Harris, uh, be consistently productive. You can put all three in your lineup uh, each week. And, and Ben is better, uh, better than the first <laughs> first couple of weeks. Uh, you know, that's that's not saying much either, though. No, it's not for sure. But he did distribute the ball a little bit, 253 and two. On your juju note, I wonder if, you know, I know everybody's heard this story already, Ryan, and, and you can chime in on this, of course, but Juju's the free agent, just signed the one-year deal. If this is a long-term injury, looks like maybe he's out. Is there a savvy move to be had by by a rebuilding team? Because Juju's so young and might find himself in a better offense next year. We We heard the rumors of the Chiefs and the Ravens being interested in adding him to their offense do do you kick the tires maybe try to get him for cheap now hold him on your roster all year he's not going to score you any points and get you a worse draft pick and then see what happens down the road oh absolutely i still think he's he's a a player to target in trades in dynasty again because of those things that um are, are potentially going in his favor his age obviously um his past production showing that he does have the talent to um, to be a player in the league. And then the the one that's more of an unknown is is where he's playing next year. Uh, I, I do think it's safe to say it won't be Pittsburgh. I know we were saying that last year, but I, I think everybody will be ready for a, uh, a new start, a fresh start at this point. I believe as well, we already saw the wide receiver one type upside. It happened for an entire season. I think that still in there somewhere. There's still a chance. Maybe it's not wide receiver one, top 12 wide receiver. Maybe it's a, a wide receiver two, top 24 instead. But, man, that's valuable. And I think you can get him really cheap right now if yep. he's on a contender's roster. Uh, from the Broncos' perspective, Teddy Bridgewater threw the awful pick. Cortland Sutton went seven for 120. And that was pretty impressive considering he was banged up. Also, 
caught a touchdown on his 11 targets and Tim Patrick seven for 89 on nine targets. So that, that Broncos passing game, it looks so much better when Bridgewater is in, you can really only count on those pass catchers. If he's the quarterback, before we jump over to the rest of the games, we should talk about our friends over at monkey night fight. They have the daily fantasy sports site for the rest of us. Even if you've played DFS in the past, your experience with Monkey Knife Fight will feel completely different. No more competing against professional players or working through time-consuming salary caps. With Monkey Knife Fight, you choose from unique, easy-to-play games, including the popular more or less contests where you can bet on if your favorite player will have more or less yards or catches than you than predicted. You can also play other major sports as well as golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. So you should sign up for a new account with Monkey Knife Fight. And for those first-time depositors, you're going to receive a full year of DLF premium for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fight will match the initial deposit up to $100 with the promo code DLF. That's it. That's all you have to do. Your DLF subscription will be set up within 36 hours and you'll have access to everything we do over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. So go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight and follow the instructions to get started today. Let's talk about the Dolphins and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers really roll the Dolphins 45 to 17. Tom Brady goes for over 400 yards passing and five touchdowns, including two to Antonio Brown and two more to Mike Evans. Both go over 100 yards on seven and six targets, respectively. Chris Godwin was just fine as well, seven for 70. Didn't find the end zone, but he's fine in a PPR league. I don't know if there's much more to be said about the Buccaneers, Ryan. We talk about it every week. He's got those three huge targets, four if you get Gronk in there. Somebody's going to be left out every single week. Leonard Fournette was good, 110 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown. Everybody got theirs against the Dolphins defense that just didn't look good. But in in Miami, you know, Brissett's behind center, 275 and two through a pick. Gaskin was really good. He caught 10 for 74 and two touchdowns. So if you used him this week, you're thrilled. Yes, yeah. we can talk about that. <laughs> I, I I don't know how anybody would have uh, would have used him, uh, Miles Gaskin. After I mean, really the entire season, but especially after last week when he just uh, had a, a couple touches in the game. So if you stuck with him and and got the payoff, you know, good for you. I, I said last week, get this guy off my roster. I think the same thing, but now maybe the price is a little bit higher. You know, maybe now, now maybe, you can get a third. <laughs> Maybe, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe you can even get a second now, as as uh, desperate as some some teams might be for running back help. Uh, but yeah, I, I want no part of this team. And and honestly, it's it's hard to take much away from Miami at all. You mentioned Tua being out, uh, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller also out of this game. I think it's pretty obvious that none of these running backs are long term options for this team. So. Uh, it really feels like right now we're just kind of going through the motions with this offense until we uh, can get to a stage where uh, where they're he- more healthy. Yeah, it was it was disappointing from a Mi- Miami's perspective. You mentioned that Parker was out, and my eyes got big. I'm a big Jalen Waddle fan. Have him on so many t- teams, and tried to find a way to get him into the offense. Brissett has been using him, targeting him regularly, like double digit type targets recently, and they get him six looks. 
but just two catches for 31 also had a carry for a couple of yards. That was not what I expected. Preston Williams was involved a little bit three for 60 and Gaskin had the 10 receptions, but that, that Tampa Bay secondary has been beat up so bad. This was the chance for Waddle to make a big dent and it just didn't happen. So that's disappointing. We might have to wait a little bit longer on Jalen Waddle, which is frustrating as a Waddle manager. The Saints, they uh, they they end up beating the football team 33-22. to Winston threw four touchdowns. Jameis was pretty good in this one. Just one interception, 26 rushing yards, 279 through the air. And then Elvin Kamara, Ryan, 16 carries, uh, 71 yards and a touchdown and added five catches for 51 and another score through the air on eight targets. So Kamara, once again, those running back one numbers, big, big target in the passing game. That's a big part of it. Yeah, it was good to see that uh, after last week with with uh, zero receptions and, and zero targets. Good to see him get uh, back involved with uh, with several targets in this game and, and caught five of them as well. Um, honestly, even though we're talking about a very different uh, price range, I, I would say the same thing that I said with Miles Gaskin. I suggested selling Kamara last last week. Uh, I would I would still be searching out a, a trade for him uh, if I've got him, especially really if I'm a contender or, uh, or not contending either way, I, I want him off my roster and uh, he's still going to fetch uh, quite a bit in, in a trade. I already talked about the trade uh, trade target of Derek Henry. Uh, that obviously makes sense. If you're contending, I'd rather have Henry in my lineup every week than Kamara at this point. Matt, I saw you shaking your head. We haven't heard from you on Kamara lately. I'm wondering what you're thinking. I don't know if you have him in any leagues, but if you're contending, you're probably holding. If you're not, are you are you really trying to move on from him? Yeah, I, I think so. If 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 you especially off of this performance, if you can get somebody something in the two first range for him still, even a first and a second, maybe that's something you think about. But I have to think if kind of like Henry, like you're going to have to pivot to a, to a, maybe another contender that feels a little bit differently about that player because uh, he's probably already on a contender. Every team that I have him on is a contender, and I don't think I would be moving him just because the volume is there, and that's what we need to win championships, right? So uh, if I can pivot to a younger, like add, maybe add, I don't even think you could get, like if I wanted to move down to Gibson right now, you probably have to add to Kamara to, to make that move. Maybe not off of this performance, but you know, in, in prior weeks. So uh, if you can, you can buy back years uh, and still be competitive this year. I think that's a move you could maybe make, uh, but you know, you're, you're, I think you're giving up a little bit of volume to, to, to make that move and maybe making your chances a little bit worse uh, to, to win this year, but you know, maybe it's worth it to get an extra year or two out of that particular position. Yeah, maybe you could make the Gibson move right now, especially in a home league. I could see that happening. Ryan, you mentioned A.J. Brown as a trade target. I like that idea. If you're not contending right now, try to go from Kamara to A.J. Brown. Maybe you can get something small along with it and, uh, and that you can build around anything with upside there. Um, speaking of Antonio Gibson, 20 carries in this one, but just 60 yards on the ground. That front yeah for Washington just isn't creating running room for him. Two touchdowns saves his fantasy day. Again, just two catches for 10 yards on two targets. Taylor Heineke was awful in this one. Just very inaccurate. 20 for 41 throwing 248 yards and two picks missed 
regularly. Uh, it was maddening as a Terry McLaurin truther, four catches for 46 yards on 11 targets. He, they couldn't hook up, and McLaurin looked frustrated on the sideline a couple times in that game. Ricky Seals-Jones did catch five balls for 41 yards on eight targets in this game. I think he's a target on the on the waiver wire this week. Probably not in my leagues, though, because I got him last week. So yeah. uh, let's go get RSJ if we can get him on our rosters. How about the Chargers and the Browns, guys? This was the game of the day, really. Uh, Chargers end up winning 47-42. to 42. Justin Herbert, 398-4. and four, Also had a rushing touchdown and 29 yards on the ground. Austin Eckler, 17 for 66 on the ground and a touchdown. Then he got pulled in for another one or pushed in, I guess, by that Browns defense. Went 5 for 53 and a score through the air as well. So magnificent, awesome, running back one type stuff. Mike Williams did the same, except for on the wide receiver side. 8 for 165 and two scores on 16 targets. So Keenan Allen was a little bit of a disappointment, 6 for 75 and 9. But if you had a charger in your lineup, Matt, you are you're thrilled with what happened on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. And especially, you know, we, we were talking about it in the in the offseason and earlier part of the season. Uh, but what we needed to see from Austin Eckler was him to get the goal line work, and he's getting that in spades. He's the only running back on that roster that matters for the team and certainly for us for fantasy. So uh, if you were able to pick him up in the second round of startups this year, you are loving life. And, uh, you know, can you even move? We just talked about Alvin Kamara. Could you even move Alvin Kamara for Austin Eckler at this point? If you can, uh, you I mean, should. <laughs> uh, if you can, you should. Exactly. Uh, so, like, even if it's just to move from 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 a bad situation to a good situation, Right. Uh, in terms of the quarterback and offense. So, I mean, that's another move you could look for Kamara. But I, I'm, like I said, I'm not sure it gets done. But, uh, you know, all of these guys are, are pretty undervalued. Mike Williams, you know, I think I think he probably should be in that two first price range at this point. But he's not there, I don't think, from the, some of the moves that I've seen lately uh, with him. Uh, and then the same for Allen, you know, he, he's disappointing a little bit from a, from a, a counting stats standpoint the last couple of weeks, but uh, the peripherals are still there, still not eight, not eight to 10 targets pretty much every single week and attached to a great quarterback. Age is the thing you worry about with him uh, in terms of his value, but, you know, maybe he's a buy low target too, just because he is seeing the volume, but the numbers just aren't coming yet. Yeah. And the, he's passing the eye test, right? Ryan, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? The, all those chargers, because I guess there's some people that played Jared Cook who went one for 29, but outside of that, all of them are, are just ridiculous right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those that played Jared Cook, but <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> outside of him, you're, you're happy with the rest of that offense, as you suggested. And uh, really Keenan Allen and, and Austin Eckler have both been undervalued uh, for the past several years. So, so this is nothing new. Uh, but now I think we're seeing it with Mike Williams that the market, as Matt kind of alluded to there, the market is not catching up quickly enough to how he should be valued. I know he he had a, a stinker of a game last week that made some people concerned, like, OK, maybe maybe we're going back to the old Mike Williams where he's so inconsistent. But uh, here he is with with another huge game as he uh, as he did to start the season. And, and Justin Herbert, I think, compared to other quarterbacks. Uh, is undervalued as well, ranked um, in that borough range when he outproduces him, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, so I, I think this entire offense is undervalued in dynasty terms and, and they should all be targets. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. On the other side of things, Baker Mayfield went over 300 yards and threw two touchdowns. Nick Chubb was magnificent, 161 on the ground and a touchdown. Hunt scored twice and added 
uh, about 90 yards altogether. David Njoku came out of nowhere for seven catches, 149 yards in a score. Is there anything we can do there, Matt? Yeah, you know, he may, I think the thing we look for with him is, is, is he going to be on another team? you know, in, in a year or two, maybe I can't remember his contract status, but it's got to be coming up soon. And I think they, they declined his fifth year. Did he get a, even get a fifth year option? I can't remember, but anyway, it seems like they're they're going to be done with him pretty soon. So he's still got obviously all the athletic ability in the world. He showed it today that he can produce when he gets a, a heavy target game and, you know, catching all seven of those, those targets for a player that we haven't really thought about much since maybe the year after his rookie season, uh, that great tight end class with, with OJ Howard and Evan Ingram and all those other players players that we thought were going to be first round tight ends. Right. Um, so, but maybe he still has something there and it's some, something to worth uh, picking up on your waiver wire at, at the very least. Um, I kind of still think Harrison Bryant is the guy they like uh, that hasn't really shown up in the numbers yet uh, too much. So uh, I, I don't think he's dead if we can say that. Yeah. I don't think he is either that 71 yard touchdown. He looked awfully athletic. I, one last note on the Browns, Odell Beckham jr. Two for 20 on three targets with no Landry on the field. We can't start him, obviously. I'm wondering if a contender can maybe sell him. I don't know if we have time to get into that, but OBJ, it, he's not the same guy anymore, clearly. The Bears, they beat the Raiders 20-9. to Justin Fields in this one, just 111 passing yards, just four rushing yards, one touchdown pass. I, if there's anything here, Matt, it's Khalil Herbert. He had 18 carries for 75 yards but didn't get a target, did mix in in that backfield. In fact, had just as many touches. Damian Williams, 16 for 64 and a touchdown on the ground and then two catches for 20 yards. Herbert is probably rostered in most relatively deep dynasty leagues, but at least he showed something with the opportunities today. Yeah, like, I mean, basically split right down the middle in terms of opportunities. And I I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think that was going to happen necessarily in the first week uh, that David Montgomery has been out with uh, the injury suffering last week. I, you know, I expected eventually for him to get there and kind of take over that early down role because I think Williams at this point in his career is much better as a receiving uh, a receiving option. So uh, going forward, I think he, he is going to have this the same similar role. And why, why wouldn't they? He was effective today. Uh, and he's clearly, I think, the better between the tackles runner at this point. So he's got that role locked up. Uh, the passing is, is, you know, maybe it'll come. But, you know, for, for this early in his career, for a rookie that was drafted that late uh, is promising. Las Vegas was so disappointing, Ryan. Derek Carr, 206. No touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I guess six for 56. That's what he does. But Josh Jacobs, 15 for 48 on the ground and a touchdown. And then what the hell happened with the four catches for 19? Why is he catching passes all of a sudden? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Uh, there's a lot of things that don't make sense with this, uh, with this Las Vegas Raiders team. Four catches, as you said, for Jacobs, uh, five targets. Both of those, the, uh, not quite career highs, but uh, the second best uh, marks of his career really out of nowhere. They, they signed Kenyon Drake, who would be perfect for that type of role. Uh, and, and he's hardly seeing the field. Uh, they've got Darren Waller, you know, potentially the best tight end, maybe the second best tight end in the league. His targets continue to go down every week. None, none of it makes sense. And, um, you know, with, with the recent news, they might have a new head coach in a few days. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? There's there's some rumblings throughout the Twitter sphere, right? Holy cow. Uh, Not good. Not the good. Cardinals, they beat the 49ers 17-10. to 10. Kyler Murray, 239 and a touchdown to Nuke. That was good. But only seven carries? That's fine. 
no rushing yards for Kyler Murray. That's that's no good. We don't like that. Rondell Moore looked good, though. Five for 59 through the air. Also added 38 rushing yards. Nuke, I mentioned the touchdown, 87 yards on six catches. Not a lot to talk about there. Trey Lance, we could talk about him all day. 192, didn't throw a touchdown, but 16 carries for 89 yards. Took a couple big hits, but showed his upside. Missed on, like, slants, high throws. Very disappointing. If he, if he hits Debo on a couple of those... Debo has a really big game. Trey Lance has a really big game. Uh, Trey Lance also just missed a rushing touchdown. So showed some of the upside, but there are some things to work on for sure. Matt, I mentioned Debo, three for 58, also 13 rushing yards. A little bit disappointing, but Elijah Mitchell, he was the only running back of note. Yeah, I mean, we we all thought it was Trey Sermon. They, we, we know the story from earlier this offseason where he, where he or excuse me, earlier in the season where he basically missed week one and Elijah Mitchell kind of blew up. And then Mitchell was hurt for a little while and Sermon was in there. And let's look, look, at, look at it, what we got now. Mitchell is back healthy and he's the guy against Trey, uh, excuse me, uh, Trey Sermon. He had zero snaps through the first three quarters and then finished with just one carry. So, I mean, we, we keep saying that this backfield is unpredictable. You know, it's going to be a different guy every week, and maybe it is going to continue to be that. But right now, when Mitchell's been healthy, it's been his backfield. And he is that, you know, kind of that Raheem Mostert clone. We've talked about it. Others have talked about it. He has that speed element that's, that uh, Trey Sermon just doesn't really add at this point. And it just seems like, I don't know, did, did Trey Sermon send a, a mean tweet or something about Kyle Shanahan's dog or something? I just, I don't know. It's, it just seems weird that they would trade up for this guy, uh, spend the, the higher capital to get uh, uh, Trey Sermon and then just decide that he's not, he's not going to be that guy. So Mitchell has clearly just either outplayed him and, and, and shown more in practice or, or Shanahan just likes him better for uh, the role that they want that running back to have right now. Well, you know, this is just gut, but it doesn't feel like Shanahan likes. Well, maybe, you know, it, clearly it he liked him. He he just doesn't like like him. After he got to know him. After he got to know him. He, he <laughs> yeah, liked him after like an interview, right? He, after that first interview that they had at the draft, I'm sure, sounded like a good guy, but you get to first know him. First impression. You know, some of those things that you think are cute early on, you know, the longer and longer they go on, they just become, they're not cute anymore. Now they're annoying, right? So that seems to be what we have with the Tracy. Well. Shanahan and annoying go together well because his usage <laughs> of his star players is the one of the most annoying things that happens in fantasy right now. I mean, we've, we've seen this before, though, right? I mean, we saw it last year with, with Keyshawn Vaughn that uh, draft capital and landing spot moved him up into the first round of rookie drafts. We saw the exact same thing with Trey Sermon. In fact, a lot of people compared what, we, what happened with Trey Sermon uh, in his increased value to Keyshawn Vaughn, who knew it would play out almost exactly the same way. Um, but we've seen it with, with Shanahan as well. You know, years ago, he he traded up for Joe Williams, and uh, Dynasty managers kind of, I don't want to say went crazy, but certainly went from a, a guy we didn't really know who he was to let's use a second-round pick on him, and he never really made an impact at all. So trading up for a player or taking him on day two – Shanahan has shown he doesn't really care about any of that. He'll use an undrafted free agent. He'll use a guy off the street, whoever he thinks is going to produce. That's who it is. And with Trey Lance under center, I don't, I don't know if any of this running back talk matters because he had 16 carries and the rest of the team combined for 12. Yeah. And they were playing from behind a lot. Some of those were scrambles, but a lot of them were called runs, right? Lots of draws, quarterback draws. And then that, 
that like quarterback lead where they get the running back out in front of them. They're playing 11 on 11. They got an extra blocker then, and they're expecting big things. And some of that happened on Sunday for Lance. He, he broke a couple runs that could have been even bigger if he, if he just shakes that last guy. So there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in that backfield. And I don't know if we really want any of it that isn't named Trey Lance at this point. Um, let's jump over to the final game we need to talk about here. The Cowboys, they blasted the Giants 44 to 20. Dak was great. 302 and three. Zeke was even better. 21 and 110 and a score also had a, had a sick looking touchdown reception where Dak turned around, fake to the fullback, fake the pitch to Zeke. Nobody knew what was going on. And then he just lobs it over the top of the linebacker for a touchdown. Uh, that went to Zeke. So that, that was one of the coolest plays. I can't believe a Mike McCarthy coach team ran that play. I know he doesn't call the plays, but holy cow. CeeDee Lamb was good as well, four for 84 and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz caught six for 79. Seems like he's cemented himself as a as a tight end one for sure. And probably somebody that should be moving up dynasty uh, tight end rankings as well. Amari Cooper also caught a touchdown in this one. So the Cowboys... We're great. Another team that really, if you had them, you're happy with what they did on Sunday. The Giants was the complete opposite. Daniel Jones, if he needed him in a two quarterback league, he gets hurt just 98 yards before that. Saquon, he gets hurt just nine yards before the injury. It's maddening. The The Barkley injury, Ryan, it, if, you, if you're invested heavily in Saquon Barkley, this is something we're so used to. He goes up, he goes down, he gets hurt. He goes up a little bit. We're excited about the upside again. And now he's hurt again. And it looks like it could be a multi-week thing. Certainly going to affect him the next time he's on the field. We just got to shake our head, right? Yeah, continues to be frustrating. It is It is being called a low ankle sprain. And um, I don't think they've quite ruled him out for next week. But the assumption is uh, he'll be week to week. And uh, it will cost him at least one game. It's it's the same old story, and I remember Matt during the offseason saying if Barkley has one more injury, his his value really plummets. And mm-hmm. uh, he had already fallen into the second round of Dynasty ADP, the the October data that I've I've referenced uh, earlier in this episode. He, he's the two point oh one, and a lot of people thought that was crazy when I mentioned that on Twitter because he had been playing well the past two weeks, but now we're just we're starting the situation all over again with uh with this injury so whether it's one week or 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 if it's a month it it kind of doesn't matter it just continues to be frustrating and uh this this guy just i don't know if anybody's injury prone but he he certainly has some bad luck at the very least especially considering that injury where it was a pass going behind him he looks over his shoulder and steps on somebody else's foot after the play, really. He wasn't involved yeah. in, in a football move at all. It's just maddening. Speaking of maddening, Matt, Kenny Galladay, he gets banged up as well. Hyper extended the knee. Uh, there's talk of a bone bruise. It's going to linger for a couple weeks again. He's not a lock to go moving forward. Kenny Galladay's dynasty value had plummeted already. And him having the big game last week and now once again disappointing. No catches in the game on three targets and then going down. It can't get a lot lower without completely tanking, right? 
look, he's either the best buy of all time right now, or it's you just, I mean, I, I don't think you can get anything of value for him, right? He had no catches today on three targets before the injury. Last week was the high water mark at wide receiver 19 earlier in the season, week one, wide receiver 54, wide receiver 62, wide receiver 42. And 2020, in the four games he played, he was in the low wide receiver 20, so no wide receiver one games there. He hasn't had a wide receiver one game since week 13 of 2019 when he was the wide receiver four. So we've gone basically two seasons now after, after he gets back from this injury, we'll have to see if he can recover uh, from that, but basically two years without a wide receiver one game. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm worried about him and his dynasty value. I just, I don't think you can get, can you get a second for Galladay right now? If you, if you are, can you, uh, can you, can you move Galladay and a, I don't know, Galladay in a third to get a first Galladay in a second to get a first. I don't know even know if those, these are moves that you can really make at this point. So, uh, I don't know if you guys have any ideas, but I really don't know what to do with Galladay. Can you trade Galladay for Kadarius Tony, Ryan? <laughs> nope. No way, right? It's not happening yeah. anymore. It's yeah, too late. Maybe last week, but it's not happening yeah. after Tony goes 10 for 189 on 13 targets and once again is involved in the trick play system. They're trying to get him throwing the ball. Uh, he's all over the place. Through that punch at the end of the game, though, that ah, – that, Man, I wish that wouldn't have happened because he's looked so good. You guys know that I was a big Kadarius Tony fan coming out of Florida. Have him on a lot of teams, and I just love the breakout. I can't believe it's the New York Giants that are using Kadarius Tony properly. They, but they are these two weeks. He's. It doesn't matter when those other guys get back, Ryan. He's locked into this kind of role. I agree, but don't don't give the Giants or, or Jason Garrett too much credit because it it did take injuries to Ster- Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay and uh, and that, Darius. Slayton that's why Justin Jefferson Ingram. broke out last year too, right? Uh, I, I don't that, know. Yeah, that took five weeks, so I, I don't know if we need to give any coaching staff credit. The thing we need to do though is is recognize it and try to go get this guy if you can. I I don't know what you got to pay though at this point. It's good. It's a first. For sure. Uh, maybe. I mean, I think there are, there are, I mean, this was a player who was maybe the most hated on rookie entering, um, entering the, the league this year from a, a fantasy and dynasty perspective. He, he fell a lot further than he should have in rookie drafts based on his, uh, based on his draft capital, his first round draft status. And, and for whatever reason, you know, uh, there were enough dynasty managers that were worried about this guy that, that they just avoided him. And, and the ones, at least some of the ones who did take him probably did so begrudgingly. So I, I don't know. I, you're, you're definitely right. He's, he's a lot cheaper. He was a lot cheaper last week or the week before than he is now. Uh, but I, I still think he's, uh, he's a guy you could go out and, and target in the right situation in the right league. Oh, I think you should be. I, I'm going to do a do a little bit of a experiment this week. I'm going to in the leagues that I didn't get him. I'm going to try to get him, and I'll report back next week. I would I would give more than what most people would. I'd give Rondale Moore for him at this point. Oh, in, in a heartbeat. Oh. And Rondale Moore looks yeah. good. He's he is what we hope Rondale Moore will be. And I know it's just two games and ten catches without a couple of wide receivers. But I would I would pull the trigger on a deal like that. Is that, is that too much for you guys? I, I mean, I want the quarter. I'm taking the, I think a tiebreaker is the quarterback situation. And I want it's not a tie though. Tyler. That's the thing. It's not a tie. Kadarius Tony is doing everything and more than we want to see from Rondale. And Rondale has, has the other weapons around him. That's going to keep the ball out of his hands. Kadarius Tony is taking the ball because he's the best player on the team. 
I mean, I wouldn't give okay. Rondell Moore for him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with Matt that I was a big, you know, I was a big Rondell Moore fan entering the league, and and even with that competition, I've been impressed with what he's done. Mm, I have too. Um, but, but I'm with you. I mean, I, I would be targeting Tony, especially if it is that situation that I described, where I think he's. Um, he's not on a roster that necessarily wants him and, and values him. Like yeah, I believe that even when Shepard and Slayton come back, they're still going to use him like this. And maybe that creates yeah, a little too. bit of a window that there, there's other dynasty that managers that say, hey, I got to capitalize because they're two of their top three receivers were out. That's why they're using him this way. I, I feel like you'd have to be the dumbest coach in the NFL to not continue to use him. But but there is a chance that that's well, the case here, I mean, right? Jason Garrett, I mean. Yeah, we're not, like Ryan said, we shouldn't give him too much credit. Uh, so with that thrilling Kadarius Tony debate, we'll end this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Go follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Follow Matt at MattPriceFF. And you can get me at dmyler 22 also follow the podcast on twitter so thanks for listening and we'll catch you again in week six